Our good Father, we ask once again that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that by it we might see Jesus and be changed by him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you are new to joining us at Resurrection this morning, we are in the middle of a series called Encounters with Jesus, where we are taking a few passages from the Gospel of Mark and slowing down, asking the question, what happens uh, when people come face to face with Jesus? What is Jesus like and how do people respond to him? And then what does it mean for us? Because whether you are a believer or a skeptic, how you make sense of Jesus is going to really dictate how you live and what you hope in. And so this morning, we're looking at one of the more well-known encounters in the Gospels, and it's an encounter between Jesus and a rich, young ruler. And at the heart of this encounter is a simple and yet profound question that Jesus wants to present to all of us. And it's this simple question, what is your treasure? According to Merriam-Webster, treasure is something of great worth or value, something esteemed as rare or precious. For some of our kids here, you should have gotten this little packet with some different coloring pages, and one of them is this. Can adults see what this is, and can anybody tell me what this is? This is a... A map. It's a map that directs to what? There's an X on here. So X marks the spot. You go after X because that is where the treasure is. One of my favorite stories growing up was Treasure Island. If you've read it, it's, it's the story of young Jim Hawkins who comes across this treasure map. And what his discovery of this treasure map is it sets him on this journey that will take him across the ocean through dangers um, working against pirates, all in the hopes of finding this hidden treasure that was buried by the infamous Captain Flint. And on this particular map, to, to get to the X on this map, you've got to go through all sorts of dangers around lakes, through deserts, through mountains, through traps. That's the price that you have to pay in order to acquire the treasure that you are looking for. Over the years, there's been many different, uh, there's been many different TV shows where you see these treasure hunters traveling around the world, and they tend to have, uh, they tend to have common features. They tend to be these big adventure seekers. They tend to be these big risk takers, and they seem to have all of these personal resources to enable them to spend their lives pursuing. This hidden treasure that if they were to acquire it, would change their lives completely. And it's easy for us to think that, okay, treasure hunters are those kind of people out there. But the scriptures teach us a very different lesson. Fundamental to being human is we were hardwired and designed to seek after treasure. To pursue that which is valuable and good and beautiful and lasting. 
It's not a bad thing. It's actually good. It's how God designed us because it is our hard wiring in order to seek him, in order to find him to be what is most valuable. But where we go wrong in how we are made is we spend our lives in pursuit of the wrong kind of treasure and we end up missing out on the treasure that we were created for and designed to find. And so we're given a story, but it's a real story. It's a real encounter between Jesus and a young man with, with lots of a certain kind of treasure. We're not told anything else about him. We're not told his name. We're not told where he's from. Only that he has great possessions. And in Jesus' journeys up to this point, what we have been seeing is there are a lot of people who come up to him with, with genuine needs. But there are also many people who come up to him with these questions, asking him about a certain kind of teaching, and their heart is to try to trick him, to try to get him to say something um, that will get him in trouble, or to try to prove that he doesn't know what he's talking about. When it comes to this encounter, um, we don't see any of that in this young man. All indicators point to this young man is very genuine in what he is after. We are told that he runs up to Jesus. And in that culture, if you were higher up in the food chain socially, you would not run in public. And so we see him running towards this strange teacher. And then what does he do? He kneels down on the ground before him and he asks him a question. The very posture and picture of what's happening communicates desperation. It communicates urgency and desire and longing and some belief that Jesus knows the way. And he asks this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, how can I be a part of this forever kingdom that God has promised to bring about? This, this kingdom of healing and forgiveness and love and restoration and peace that continues to go on and on. And this man saying, God has promised this and I want to be a part of it. And I think that you know the way. That's, that's the X on the map for this young man. He's coming up to Jesus with a map saying, how do, how do I get here? Help me find the way. So he runs, he begs, and, and Jesus responds in somewhat of a strange way. Jesus asks him a question, why do you call me good? Jesus is not trying to stir up trouble here. He's not trying to give him a hard time or doing any kind of difficult wordplay. In, in some, I think the heart of what he's asking is, why is it that you think that I am a reliable guide to what you are asking? Why are you coming to me? And why are you asking me the way? And why are you calling me good? And if I tell you the way, will you actually listen to me? And will you follow the directions that I give you? And so Jesus points him to the normal path that people take to try to get to this prize. Jesus says, you know the commandments, right? You know the way to live a righteous and good and upright life. He says, 
Don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And far from being discouraged or crushed in any way, he's actually encouraged. He feels some wind into his sails of of Jesus is hinting at this is the way and I'm actually pretty good at the things that he is telling me to do. So you see hope arising in his response as teacher, all these, everything you're saying is important to do, I've done. Since the time I, I was a youth. And then Jesus, he puts his finger on the one thing that is keeping him, that is truly keeping him from inheriting this thing called eternal life. It's the one thing that is keeping him from getting to that X on the map that he so desperately longs for. Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. It's not what he expected to hear and we see that in his response. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. What just happened? This man comes up to Jesus and he says, this is what I want more than anything. I want to be a part of this kingdom that is coming. I want to be a part of what God is doing, of this forever life. I want it more than anything. And what Jesus does essentially is he he takes out a mirror and he, he puts it up to this man and he says, is that what you really want? Is that what you want more than anything? Is this really the center of your life? Is this the heartbeat? Is this what you are giving yourself for completely? And when the man looks at himself in this mirror that Jesus presents before him, he sees the truth that his treasure is is actually not some X down the road, but it's actually the possessions that he has that he is unwilling to let go of. He's unwilling to let go of this inferior treasure in order to have a much greater treasure. Now, don't misunderstand what Jesus is doing here. So Jesus is not saying to this young man, show me how bad you want it. Show me the the links that you are willing to go. Show me what you are willing to give up. This is not a test of strength or a test of endurance. He's not putting it on this man to say, show me what you are willing to do to make this happen. It's not about getting him to jump through all these sorts of hoops so that he can get to the treasure that he wants. What Jesus is doing is he's putting on his finger on the very thing that is keeping him from the treasure that he so badly wants and the treasure that he was made for. The point is not that wealth is bad. It's that anything that competes in our hearts for that top place that only, that only God was meant to have, then it needs to be something that's let go of. In his, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller reminds us why. He says, if we look to some created thing in this world to give us the meaning, the hope, and the happiness that only God himself can give, it will eventually fail to deliver and break our hearts. Jesus is not being harsh. 
strict or cruel with this young man. He just, he just knows and genuinely desires what is best for him and is trying to show him the way. And the way forward, in order to grasp what he wants, he's got to let go of something else. This, this may sound cheesy, but it's my life. And one of my favorite scenes in, in a movie is from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So all the movie is about this, this race for this holy grail because there is this legend around it that, that the acquiring of this particular cup will give you everlasting life. And Indiana Jones's father has devoted his entire life in search of, of this grail and traveled around the world and they've been following this journal. And when they finally find it, there's a fight and chaos that breaks out and and the grail actually falls over the ledge and they're trying to reach for it. And one woman reaches for it and she tries to get it, but she just can't reach out to it. But in her reaching, she ends up falling over the cliff. And then Indiana slides in and he's got one hand up here and his dad is holding on to him. And he's got one hand that's reaching for this treasure that his father has spent his whole life looking for. And he's been after risking everything. And all through the movie, his, his dad, a joke is that his dad calls him Junior all the time. And he just absolutely hates it. And so here you have this scene where his father's yelling at him, Junior, I can't hold on to you. Junior, I can't hold on to you. And he's, his fingers are grasping it. And he's saying, I can get it. I can almost reach it. And then he hears his dad's quiet voice. And I love this. All he hears is, Indiana, Indiana, let it go. And, and there's this beautiful moment where he, he looks at his dad. He hears the voice of someone that he knows loves him and would give anything for him. And he hears this voice saying, let it go. Let it go. Verse 21 Jesus, looking at this man, loved him and said to him, let it go. Let it go and come with me and you will find treasure in heaven. I love that Mark adds that little detail as Jesus is talking, saying he looked at him and he loved him. The posture of his heart is not one of disappointment or frustration, but it is compassion and longing, saying, I, I want you so badly to be with me and to follow me. Because it's better than anything else you're looking for. But the man walks away unwilling to go all in and follow Jesus. What is it that Jesus, in his love for you, in his commitment to your good, in his ability to search the depths of your heart and your soul and your mind, what is it that he is putting his finger on and saying, let it go and come and follow me? Whether you are not a Christian, not a person of faith, or whether you have been walking with Jesus for decades, what is it that He's putting his finger on out of love and inviting you into a much greater existence. 
there's, there's really no way to tell what happens to this young man as he walks away. I personally, I, I have hopes that this is not the end of his story. That as, as he walks away and his disciples have this conversation about the difficulty of inheriting the kingdom of God, and he says with with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I have hopes that, that, in, that in the days and months and weeks to come, something changed in him. And part of that ties into my own story. My story in coming to faith in high school and even in college was, was reading the scriptures on my own and, and seeing God begin to point out things that were keeping me from him. And there were some things that I was holding on to tightly that I was willing to open my hand and say, I'm giving you these things and I'm willing to follow you. And there were other things, some very specific things that, that I held on to, that I said, I- I'm not willing to give this up. Not yet. And over the next few weeks, what God did is this, this treasure that I was holding on to so tightly and refusing to let go, it just turned to dust in my hands. And, and I remember getting on my knees one night and praying, God, you, you, now you really have all of me. I hope something like that happened to this man. I have no idea. But I hope that there was a time down the road where he looked at his stuff and he just said, I'm done. And he ran out and he found Jesus. Or he found the disciples later on and said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. The young man walked to tell, walked away, and Jesus says, it's more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to be saved. And I've got, I've got a little needle here that Miss Emma has provided. And you can see that that's a small needle, and the eye of a needle is not, is not something that's very big, is it? And I've got one of, one of Miss Alma's stuffed animals. Hey, look at that. This cannot go through this. It's impossible. And you can, you can sense when Jesus starts talking about this, not only this, but he says, actually, a whole camel cannot go through this. He's talking about the difficulty that it takes to enter in the kingdom of God. And his disciples are like, then who can be saved? And this is where Jesus points us to the heart of the gospel, that it's not about what we are able to do. It's not based on our resources. But it's all based on what he is able to do. Here's where the Christian message is different from all other different types of religions and philosophies because other religions and philosophies of this world are, are more of a treasure map like this. They say, this is the life that you're after and I'm going to show you the way to get there. You're going to, it's going to depend heavily upon you, your ability, your goodness to try to get there, to get to this X. What Christianity does is it says it's all upside down. This treasure that you are seeking after, that you were made for, that you long for, actually comes looking for you. 
This treasure that you seek goes through the dangers, the struggles, the suffering. This is Jesus, the treasure that we were made for, experiences hardship and difficulty. Paul says it like this, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. There's so much more to be said about Peter's response and about what they have given up, but Jesus' message is clear. Whatever you do give up, whatever you let go of, does not compare to what you will be given. Let it go and come and follow me. Sometimes it's letting go of our goodness and our obedience that we rely on to make us right. And sometimes it's just these treasures that that draw our, our hearts away. I want to close with this. It's from a hymn that we're about to sing in response of this. It it was written uh, perhaps in the 4th, 5th, 6th century in Ireland. So it goes back a ways and and it uses language that I think is so relevant for us today in the way it talks about God. It says, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou, mine inheritance now and always. Thou... And thou only first in my heart, high King of heaven, my treasure thou art. As the psalmist said long ago, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is calling all of us to something much better, and the question is, what is your treasure? Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank You for the lengths that You have gone to make us Your treasure. The suffering, the price that was paid because of the value that You placed on us, the love that You had, the lengths You have gone, and that is our hope. When we see that, and I pray that we would see it more, that it would melt our hearts, and it would make You our treasure. That, as Paul said, in comparison to Jesus, all things would just seem like garbage. That He would be our chief desire and our greatest joy. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we respond together in song?